Today's episode is brought to you by Daura, the platform for digital shares. Over the next few weeks, we're going to highlight a few showcases from their network. And thanks to digital shares, private placements and equity crowdfundings become easy, fast, and cheap to carry out. Daura offers free access for investors and a simple digital subscription process. You can promote investments worldwide through their digital channels, and customers and partners can be turned into shareholders and brand ambassadors. If you want to learn more, go to daura.ch. That's D-A-U-R-A dot C-H. And now, on with the show. Politics is not able to force the people to do something they do not want to do. I don't believe that is going to work. You can make as many laws as you want, it will not work. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Urs, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. It's fantastic. You are the founder of Diseo, a decentralized ecosystem of interconnected social platforms where users actually exclusively control their data and also earn from it. So before we talk about that very interesting concept, I want to know more about your personal background. So in the past, you've actually worked with disruptive technologies and also digitization in the telecom industry here in Switzerland. Why did you actually decide to start your own company at one point in time? Well, that happened in 98. So quite a long time ago, it was just a... It was an incident. I was invited to be a chairman on a conference on the voice over IP. I started to engage with this topic and then I realized it is going to change the telecommunications landscapes completely in the next 10 years. And so at the conference, I uh, I made a startup and then I decided from one week to another to join the startup. I took all the money and went and moved to Berlin. That's quite a bold move. (laughs) What, What made you so convinced that this was the right step to take? I have been always um, somebody who was eager for new ideas and I was already very early in any kind. So I was very early in the internet because of my, uh, I was doing my degree, uh, doctorate in physics Mm -hmm. between 93 and 96. And through that, I already was very strongly connected to the internet. I had my first email address in 85. So probably one of the first ones in Switzerland, because it was part of the student program. So as a student, Mm -hmm. you just received an email address. And so I was very early in that. And so um, I kept doing that. And so I moved on also as an entrepreneur. For you, it was never an option to pursue that, you know, being early or this disruptive technology with a, a large corporate. You always had to go then to do your own stuff with your own startup. Uh, yeah. The thing is that at this time, the big corporates were not willing to work with small startups mm-hmm. as it is now the case. Because now the big companies have identified the need to work with small startups because they have innovative ideas and they ca- can create a lot of uh, impact and, and uh, impulses to, to, to an established company. But at this time, it was quite hard as a startup to work with large companies because they didn't take you serious. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was eager to prove that we can do it and that you can move forward. And I was ready to, 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 to go this hard journey, despite it was at this time, it was even much harder than now, because today we have the ecosystem of entrepreneurs. They didn't exist at this time yet. It's a, probably a pretty alone journey, I could imagine. <laughs> well, actually, I uh, share my experience with uh, entrepreneurs. So I have a monthly entrepreneurs meetup where cool. everybody can join. And he, and, and so uh, it's, it's like a Q&A session. So mm-hmm. people come in and they just bring questions they have uh, related to the current challenges with their own startup. And I just provide my experience on how I would tackle the problem. Nice. And yeah, now you actually also work again on your own company, Diseo. You build a secure global social ecosystem. So what's the exact problem that you solve with your company? It's a social dilemma. Actually, there is a there's a documentary of Netflix, which mm-hmm. describes it very well. And there is a big dispute about it because some people say, yes, this is true. We need to do something against it. And some other people also say, no, it is how it is. The young people have accepted the fact that their data is 
is uh, harvested and used and monetized by third party for some privileges of using a service. Mm -hmm. I believe this is not good enough. So I believe it has to be shared. And there are other problems as well associated with this. And this is the, the ethical attitude of being on the, on the web. Because what we have seen in the last couple of years is that there are a lot of people which are hiding themselves in anonymity mm -hmm. and they, they dare to say things they would never dare to say on the street because there they could be recognized. And with our system, we try to solve this a little bit. We do not want to control it because our idea is to build an ecosystem which is fully democratized where, and fully self-regulated. Mm -hmm. So we provide the tools where the crowd, the people which are using the system can self-manage themselves. And so for that purpose, we have also introduced something like a trust index so people can rate each other. Mm -hmm. And the social index, the, on the trust index, people rate each other regarding reliability, regarding hate speech. So if somebody is doing something bad, he can be downgraded with the trust index. Um, and then we have a social index where people can rate other people, but mainly other companies mm -hmm. for their sustainable behavior. Because I personally believe that politics is not able to force the people to do something they do not want to do. I don't believe that is going to work. Mm -hmm. You can make as many laws as you want, it will not work. It only works when it is self-created by the people itself. And this is a system where people have a tool to just to rate other, other companies about their, about their doing. If one user believes one company is favoring children work, And then he can downgrade it. He can talk about it. He can motivate other people also to downgrade this company mm -hmm. and it can spread. And when it, when this company is a very important consumer goods company, they get under pressure and they have to justify themselves. And there is then a dialogue and this dialogue happens on the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And then the, the company needs to do something against it. Otherwise, through the social index where the people can downgrade the company, they can use a social index as a buying instrument where they can decide, I do not buy from companies with a low social index. Mm -hmm. And the same applies now to the climate challenge. So people through the social index, people can rate companies related to their uh, climate actions. And so through this system we have, we, we, we give the young audience, the people in the world which are underrepresented on the parliaments have a voice through a social ecosystem to create power towards the large companies for purchasing their products. And this is much more powerful than trying to influence the politicians. Yeah, this sounds incredibly powerful. And I have a lot of follow-up questions for you. <laughs> so the first one, it sounds super strong and, and also very ambitious at the same time. So I, I can imagine that at the end, this will really like make it or break it with the masses. You need a lot of people to rate the companies, to have them on your platform, that you could actually have enough data to actually also rate the companies and, and have your own social rating. How do you solve that? Is that a big challenge that this you is face? A, this is a huge challenge, actually. This is actually the, per, the, the, the right question to address because this is the biggest hurdle. Whenever I speak to somebody uh, regarding this, they, they say, oh, it sounds nice, but come back to me when you have one million users. Yeah. And so, but somehow you have to get the first million users. Of course. And so you, somehow you have to convince somebody to be the first one. So... I have actually started with this project already in the year 2012. But at that time, I had a different approach. I was trying to create a second, a second screen solution mm -hmm. to digitalize the anonymous TV users to become um, active consumers. And we found a, um, a, a TV station to, to partner up with, but we couldn't get the revenues in um, in the right time. And so I had, to, I had to pivot the business case. I had to, uh, I had to complete the restructure. Mm -hmm. I went into football. I tried to create a football social media platform, 
But again, we couldn't gain the reach because we found the football players, but they didn't engage. Mm -hmm. They didn't bring their audience. They were happy about the system, but they didn't do anything. They accepted everybody else to do something. Right. And so I realized it's not going to scale. Google Plus was shutting down with 500 million users. So how should it be possible that somebody, anybody, should be able to scale? It's practically impossible. Mm -hmm. And I'm so sure you have a good answer for that. And so I decided I'm not going to try to scale myself anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm developing a system that I pro provide to everybody who wants to scale himself or itself. So, um, and this system needs to be decentralized where everybody controls the audience mm -hmm. that he manages. For example, a football club manages an audience, but they have lost the control over the management of this audience to the big social companies. And so they have to go there with the content. So it's actually quite critical because just imagine a big, a big football club. They used to have sponsors and sponsors were paying maybe around one third about the expenses of a football club. The, the expenses of a football club typically come from license fees, from ticketed and from sponsoring. So sponsoring typically makes one third of the income. But the problem is the sponsors want um, engagement with the fans mm -hmm. and they want interaction. They don't want to be visible. They want to sell their products. So how can they sell their products if they're not digitally engaged with the fans? But the problem is you cannot click a football shirt where the sponsor appears. Yeah. You cannot click a football uh, banner in the stadium. Um, you can click a, a banner on a website, but the fans no longer go to the websites. They stay on social media. And talk so, about it there, right? Exactly. Yeah. So we have the dilemma that the football clubs, and the football clubs here is own an example for any big corporate company. This can also be a retailer. This also begin an airline. Mm -hmm. They have exactly the same problem. They have to chase their customers on social media where they have to target them because they cannot target them on any other media. Not even a publisher can target. You know, we have all these beautiful news reports which are now available in very beautiful app, but nobody wants to register. How can you target somebody for advertisers or for sponsors if the users do not create a profile? It's impossible. Mm -hmm. So the, the advertisers either pay a much lower price with the advertisers or with the sport clubs mm -hmm. or they go to, to the big social companies where they can target very intensively. So we need to change that by moving the competence of targeting from the big social platforms to the corporates, which is, for example, a football club or a publisher, only through adding social media, social media interaction it is able to target the user and to make money from advertising and sponsoring. Because otherwise, the sponsors from a football club, they go over to, to, to the big social platforms to pay them. But now, when somebody is adding social media by themselves, so for example, just let's imagine one of the biggest football clubs. They have millions, they have maybe 100 million fans. Um, if they would create a social media app, the people wouldn't come because they say, oh, it's nice, but I don't meet all my friends. So actually it will add the number of fans on their app a little bit, but mm -hmm. not ultimately. Yeah. But what we do now is we are interconnecting all these autonomous, independent social media apps to one large global ecosystem where all users and all content is shared with all platforms. And through that, each platform gets a critical mass. And this is what we believe how we can scale. And as far as per now, I do not know any company who is doing this so we believe to be very unique in that sense and to have a head time towards, um, towards creating a decentralized social media ecosystem and to create a new niche 
and to occupy this niche as a leader and to grow in it. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So you don't have to have a login for your football club that you like or then a different login for your hockey club. You can just do all of that in one on your platform, basically. So do I then still need to have, I need to create an account with your platform or do you integrate with others so I don't even need to create a new account or how does no, that work? No, we keep ourselves in the background because mm -hmm. you don't want to compete with the platforms. That, that's sure. the reason we don't call ourselves a platform. Okay. We call ourselves an ecosystem. Okay. And each company or each club or each charity creates their own platform with their own audience and their own okay. ecosystem. So then that's a closed group, basically. Not exactly, because all the content is shared. Okay. So if somebody, a content is, for example, a post, mm -hmm. a content is a profile, but the content is also something to purchase, like a football shoe. Yeah. like a bicycle. So for example, if I want to sell a bicycle, I typically have to create a website and I have to show this bicycle on this website mm -hmm. and then I have to invite people to come to this website, this e-commerce site, to purchase it. So I have to go everywhere to make announcements, to bring people to my website mm -hmm. and there they buy. Yeah. But now I have, the, I have the following dilemma. The dilemma is that I have to pay every time to bring people to my website because they do not stay. Once they purchase, they go. They don't come back by themselves. So I have to pay again and again and again to get the users to purchase something. But if we add social media functionality to an e-commerce site, people have, people have a reason to stay. And some people stay and some more people stay, and some more people stay, and they start talking about the products. And they start sharing the products. And with our system, what we have done is, I have uh, mentioned in the beginning, um, the social aspect of our system, but actually this is only uh, an add-on, a very beautiful add-on, which is very powerful. But the most important element of our system is actually the revenue sharing model. How does that work? Um, it works in such a way that in each transaction, we have up to 16 different people or parties which receive a part of the revenues which is being created from a transaction. This can be, we have three types of transactions. One transaction is promotion, mm -hmm. one transaction is commerce, and one transaction is donation. In the promotion transaction, the user who clicks the advertising, earns income for clicking the advertising and for giving the permission to be targeted. Mm -hmm. Because if I show an advertising to a user, this advertising needs to be targeted. Okay. That means I need to access the user data to be able to show the advertisement. True. That means the user gives permission to be targeted. For, and then, in addition, he is disturbed because his... His um, attention is taken away from the flow of the content. So I require the user's attention for something I want to show him. Mm -hmm. And this is a value. And so what you make is we turn the existing internet payment model upside down. That means today the advertiser is paying the platform and the platform is delivering the advertising to the users. Mm -hmm. But the advertiser doesn't have a control. He, can, he has some targeting criteria, of course, but he doesn't have full control how it's delivered. In particular, he doesn't have any control whether it's delivered to fake users or not. True. And it's, the, it's a fact. There is at least 20% fake users, at least. Some, some sources say up to 50%. I don't want to go so far, but it's a fact it's at least 20%. So 20% of the budget is just wasted. With our system, we turn it around. So the advertiser directly pays the user for the attention. First of all, we fully, 200%, eliminate all the fake users. Second, the user clicks on the advertisement, which means he acknowledges that he has seen the advertising. Mm -hmm. Third, after the click, he opens the advertising, that means he opens the profile where I can bring the message behind him. And this profile is social. That means he sees the relationship with his friends. 
So when he opens the advertising of a bicycle, he sees which of his friends have already purchased these bicycles and how happy they are with this bicycle. This is social selling. But now he can go even further. He can now say, oh, this is a nice bicycle. I want to buy it by myself. But my friend Peter, he also uh, needs a bicycle. I'll tell him. And so mm -hmm. he automatically reads a revenue share by, by recommending to his friends. So every action which is in favor of something creates a revenue share. I can share to my followers. I can recommend personally in a private chat to a friend. I can discuss a product. I can create a review. So the brands have the ability to compensate a user for anything which helps them to increase their sales. Yeah. And this is social market, this is social selling. But because the users earn money into a real wallet with real money, which is integrated, which is fully, fully regulatory compliant because uh, these are wallet partners. We are, we, are not we are not operating the wallet ourselves. We are adding third-party wallet providers. And um, for, for that, it's fully, it's fully regulatory compliant. Mm -hmm. So the users earn real money into a real wallet where they can use the money for purchases or they can even transfer it to a friend or they can transfer it back to any bank account. So they have full control on, on their amount. And this is because this is a kind of gamification to earn money so easily while sleeping, while recommending it to friends. And so it is, we, we also call it gamified social selling. And so this is actually the next generation of social media that we're introducing. And this is, this is the reason why the companies have to come to use our system. But because of the interconnection and providing the global ecosystem, we give them the ability to scale and that's how everything comes together. Now I understand why you're so talk so enthusiastically talking about this potential. At the same time, I also wonder what you just described, why don't like Facebook or Google just copy or adapt that concept? I mean, technically they could probably do it, but is there a reason why they don't or is that just not a good fit from your perspective? Yeah, technically they can easily do it. So if they want to copy our system, they can do it in half a year. Uh, but they cannot do that because otherwise they will kill their existing business model. And that's way too lucrative for them at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And so um, for the future of us, I see more um, a, a, a hybrid approach where there will be a world with both systems. And actually, mm -hmm. it's up to the user to decide which system he will prefer. And in, depending on how much we will, how quickly we will grow, we will make partnership for the companies. Nice. And how does actually your business model look like? Do you take a revenue share with the, you know, the social selling that you just described before? Or what's your business model behind the platform? Yes. So we, we have three stakeholders, actually four stakeholders, but the force is not so important at the beginning. Um, the first stakeholder is the user. The user gets full control on the data. Mm -hmm. That means actually we want to become like you remember these James Bond movies like 20 years ago where the bank was the secret, uh, <laughs> the, was the absolute secret of the world. So nobody was more secretive than Swiss banks. Yeah. So we want to create the same image with data. Mm -hmm. So we as an ecosystem with democratized rules want to provide the user unlimited unconditional data protection and ability to manage the data and to decide whether they want to make money with the data or not. Mm -hmm. So we are, we are doing actually the same as the other companies as well. We are collecting exactly the same kind of data like, like the other big companies are doing because this is, this is essential for the targeting True. because yeah. no advertiser is paying without targeting. So the more a user is willing to allow data collection, the more valuable he becomes as an asset keeper. So he collects data as an asset and he can monetize his data as an income source. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And the more he manages the data, the more he can he can collect money for it. So this is one part. This is the one stakeholder. This is the user. The user is absolutely free. There is no, we have different user levels, but they're not related to, to payments. Mm-hmm. They're related to um, two levels. So the first user, user level is an observer. He can, can only come in with username and password. He has the lowest degree of trust because he can be anonymous, mm-hmm. but he cannot interact. Okay. Then the second level is he's still unverified. Um, but he can interact because mm-hmm. he has given a certain minimum uh, set of data. And the third level is verified. Every user which is verified receives a wallet. That yep. means that's the, how we can exclude the fake users. Only a verified user receives income into the wallet. And uh, But it's free for all of them. The wallet is free. The, the usage is free. The stream, we have also all the streaming functionality in it. So mm-hmm. it's all free. And in addition, it's not only free, but you can also make income. Then we have the second stakeholder. These are the businesses mm-hmm. or the organizations. We call them organizations as a whole. The organizations, they want to achieve something. This can be either selling a product or gaining members or creating an impact or whatever. It can be a charity, it can be a a commercial business, it can be anything. So what they do is they want to create visibility. So they create campaigns. Mm -hmm. So they do exactly what they do on other platforms. So they create campaigns. And with these campaigns, they pay the users. And we receive a revenue share. Mm -hmm. And... The, the companies, the organizations also are free of charge. There is no fee at all to create a profile. They also have an integrated wallet as an organization. It's a little bit more tricky than a user because to be verified as an organization, they need to reveal the, the owners of the, of the organization. This is a little bit tricky, but this is due to banking regulations, which is correct. Um, and so this also means that our system, our ecosystem is a, is a white money system. All the money which is inside is completely white mm-hmm. because everybody is, everybody who has a wallet is completely verified. Then um, the third stakeholder is a community. A community is somebody who manages an audience. This can be a football club. Mm-hmm. This can be a large brand. This can be a charity. This can be anybody. So they operate their own app, their own user interface and while the users and the organizations they control the data the communities they control the visibility of the data mm-hmm. because the communities they pay for the user fees because the user fee is a typically is is around 50 cents per user and months mm-hmm. this is just a, a experience fact um this includes the coverage of uh, streaming services, of photo services, of video services, and whatever. So they are you. They create costs from storage of data and from uh, publishing data and for this distributing data. These are costs which are created, and as a from a, as a as a per experience, these these costs are around fifty cents per user and months. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't want. We, as a company or as DZO, we do not want to take the operational risk on this. So what we do is the the, the communities, they get the control on the management of the data, Mm -hmm. but also they have to get to pay for the operation fees. Yeah, makes sense. So the users pay nothing, the communities pay the operation fees, but because the communities pay operation fees, they also get a significant revenue share. And the revenue share they get is very high. And it is so high that when they do a little bit, they heavily overcompensate the costs. That means they can make much more income than they have costs from user operations. I give an example. So when we look at the big social platforms, they typically have costs of 50 cents per user. But in North America, between 10 and $15 per user and month's income. Yeah. 
That's you it. just need to go to the financial reports of the big companies. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into names, um, but to have a look at them. So um, you can you can work out these numbers yourself. So what you do is, assuming that we have, let's say, $10 revenues, income per user and months. What you do is we typically share about 50% of this income with the users. Mm-hmm. That means about 25% with the user itself and about 25% with the network of the users, the influencers, the promoters, the advisors. The, uh, so we have, as I mentioned, we have up to 16 parties which receive a revenue share at the same time. Mm-hmm. So all together, um, we call them the users. So the users get about 50% of the revenue regarding promotion. With, with uh, sales, it's different. Mm-hmm. Regarding promotion, we pay out about 50% to the, to the network of users, let's say $5 from $10. Mm-hmm. And the other $5 we, we retain and we share this together with the community, for example, with the football club and us. So it's a fair share because nobody gets too much, nobody gets too little. Everybody can receive something for doing something. And the system is is uh, transparent. So we publish the revenue share percentages. And so there is also no corruption because corruption means somebody is taking an income without anybody, somebody else to know about it. In our system, everybody is compensated, but according a specific key, which is transparent. But now what you also do is um, we're going to introduce a democratic system. This means we're going to, the system has some rules. For example, the revenue share is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is an example of the rules. Then we have the, um, the behavior control Mm-hmm. Hard rules, what the user can do and what the user cannot do, and things like this. So it's I can also call it like a constitution, because a constitution defines the rules how citizens have to behave in a country. So I call it a social media constitution. So we are initiating a first version of it, and then you want to hand it over to the ecosystem mm-hmm. of the people which are of the stakeholders. And so we, we want to create kind of three chambers of users. For example, the, um, the users of the system is one chamber. Then we have the, the communities, a second chamber. And then we have the investors as a third chambers. And so the rules will be created in a democratic way mm-hmm. uh, by, by agreeing among these chambers. And where do you actually currently stand with the development? Do you already have any active users on, on the ecosystem that are engaging and, and using it? Or where do you currently stand with the current development? Um, the, the system is fully developed, mm-hmm. except for some parts which still need to be added. For example, the democratic part. This is only a vision at this, at this moment. But that's something that you can build up in exactly. the future, no problem, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, But we are working as a promise. Mm-hmm. So we are quite transparent. Um, where we are and where we want to go and what he promised to deliver in the future because we cannot do everything in one go. So we have to go step by step. Sure. Um, but the system is fully developed and it's fully working and we have the first big customer in Switzerland. Uh, the name of the customer is eCashback. So this is a, uh, a solution provider for eCashback solution. So mm-hmm. instead of booking with with a company, for example, Swiss, you can book it through eCashback and then you receive a cashback of some 2 or 3%. Yep. So cashback providers became quite popular. Um, but our system actually is an additional level on it. Because with eCashback, with, with cashback, we are compensating the buyer. With our system, we also compensate the entire ecosystem in it. And so it's it's um, it's much more advanced. And so eCashback, the the uh, the, the CEO of eCashback has 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 recognized that very early and has started to work with it. And the beauty is that um, eCashback is also delivering the service, the cashback service for Tetsias, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which means we now have in Switzerland the early access to about 1.6 million Swiss citizens as early users and hopefully to create an extremely high value to them. Amazing. Do you have any specific strategies how to onboard them? Because it's a huge potential, but then at the end, you also need a very good conversion rate, right? To have a successful launch. Deal. Yeah, we have been very careful. So also with uh, eCashback. So we have um, actually started working with eCashback uh, some six months ago or even mm-hmm. long, even more. Um, and they said the users are extremely intolerant to errors so we do not want to risk because we we as a company we like to develop very quick mm-hmm. and to develop extremely quick means we add a lot of features a lot of functionality but there are some errors in it and he said this is this is nice but we want to have a system where at least everything related to the payment needs to be uh, perfectly working without any errors. And so he was going through the system like crazy, testing all aspects of it. And now he is happy to roll out. So we can now roll out in, in big numbers. That means we can soon start with big campaigns, which means electronic campaigns, but also uh, print campaigns and TV campaigns. And it also sounds like you already invested not only a lot of time, but also what you already built. That's like quite an investment that you put into the ecosystem it's it's my life (laughs) i can imagine how are you financed so far did you take on any external money did you finance and bootstrap yourself or how did you finance the company so far entirely financed by private investors so the first investors i received back in 2012 Mm -hmm. and um, so uh, there was quite a journey with, um, with ups and downs so I had to restructure and so, but all the, the investors which were willing to help to restructure, they, they have been able to stay with me and to, to stay uh, as part of the new venture now, with, which is going under the sale. And really chasing the big vision here. On the other hand, I can also imagine, you know, we you talked about the big tech companies, um, the big social companies, basically. Did you get any feedback or any reactions from them about what you're building? Because it sort of is a competition to what they currently operate. No, right now. not yet. Not yet. The thing is that now we start getting out of the right of the radar. Yeah. And I I was I didn't like to be too early in doing that because it's too easy for the big ones just to take the idea and and to do it. Yeah. Uh, but now we have put so much effort in it into developing it that we have it's 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 not it's not a mvp mm-hmm. it's a fully developed system and so we are open for dialogues with everybody nice and another thing that i asked myself you you also talked about the wallets and everything so i could imagine that you also had to face some regulatory challenges there to comply with all the regulations and legal boundaries. Was that a, a challenge to develop the product or was that easier than expected? Another thing is that we do not want to become regulated mm-hmm. because regulation stops scaling. It's, it's, it slows you down immediately, right? Yeah, immediately. Yeah. Um, just have a look at this uh, these neon banks. So the neo banks, they... Um, uh, they need to comply with national regulation and they have difficulties to expand globally. Um, so we delegate everything which is related to finance, to financial partners, which are regulated properly in their countries in which they are active. So um, what happens in our system is that the user chooses verification. So mm-hmm. no user has the obligation to verify. But when he chooses verification, he goes through a KYC check. So KYC is a banking term. It means know your customer. This is the legal requirement by the regulator to the banks to comply with with their requirements. Mm -hmm. So they need to identify a customer. And this includes um, identifying a customer as an identity with a passport, with a, with a real passport. Mm-hmm. It can happen today online, but it has to be a, a passport. And this happens with a passport control, um, including face check. And okay. then in addition, also to, to understand where the person has the residency. 
And the residency is where the person is is registered from a tax perspective. Mm-hmm. Now, I mentioned earlier that we have four stakeholders, but I was only explaining three. Exactly. Now, the four state stakeholders are the governments. Because we believe we are the first one who implements a jurisdiction on a user level. So we are giving the governments the full control on their citizens, on, on, their, on, the, on, the, on the people which reside in their territory. Mm-hmm. And the beauty from that is there are no financial transactions when somebody doesn't have a wallet. And as soon as somebody has a wallet, they are verified. So we can assign them to a territory and to a jurisdiction. And we can give the country the access to, to, to enforce their jurisdiction to the people in our ecosystem. That means we do not try to work against the governments like other blockchain companies doing that. Mm-hmm. We're trying to work with the governments and we go even so far that we give the governments the ability to impose whatever tax they want to impose to our system. They just need to tell us we want to have 1% transaction tax and there they go. Just imagine... Um, the value-added tax, how much effort it takes to collect this tax, how much effort it takes for all these accountants to keep track on it. So the the costs which are related to a value tax collection are at least 20%. I don't know the figures, but I can imagine it's at least 20%, maybe much more. With our system, it's free because it's made automatically on the blockchain. The, the government just needs to have a wallet and the, the, the money comes in automatically mm-hmm. from each transaction. And there is not, because of the blockchain, there is no possibility to make fraud. There is no possibility to abuse. That's, yeah, that's a strong system. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a vision where we're heading to. Mm-hmm. Something else you're currently heading to is a capital raise. You do a security token offering or STO in short, together with the Dora platform. And I just wonder, why do you choose to take that way and, and use the security token offering as a way to finance your next capital increase? Yeah, actually, we are an ecosystem and we, w- we would like to have as many people as possible being able to have shares. Mm-hmm. Because uh, the problem is that biggest value gain of a company happens before the IPO and not after the IPO. Of course, um, some companies still deliver a 1,000 time increase after the IPO. But But it's not the norm. This is extremely rare. (laughs) Uh, So it means that only the big investors benefit from a pre-IPO investment. With the Dauda platform, we have the ability to give every person the ability to buy at least one share mm-hmm. and the share price currently is 220 Swiss francs so everybody can buy a share for 220 Swiss francs the only thing they need to do is they need to go to the Dauda platform to register themselves to verify themselves and then to to subscribe for the share and that's it and to transfer it from a bank amount but what is extremely important important here is um, I have seen the hype of ICOs very closely in Mm -hmm. 2017. And so there we had a lot of companies which were issuing tokens. And these tokens were not related to shares because if somebody would have issued shares as a token, it would have been illegal. Mm -hmm. So the companies were issuing shares, uh, tokens of a utility. And a utility doesn't give any return on profits. It, it gives return on people's expectation that this token will increase in value by itself, which is not the case. It's like it's like you throw rice corns onto the street and, and people think it's going to, to turn into gold nuggets and people come to pick it up. Some people will do it until some people notice it's not going to work and then everybody loses interest. And this is exactly what was the case when the IPO bubble, when, when the ICO bubble was, was, was going down. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have some sustainable companies there and sustainable projects. For example, Bitcoin, I believe, is here to stay. 
it can be suppressed by the countries, but it will, if, if they do, it will go into black markets. But Bitcoin will never go away anymore. And there are other um, coins which, will, which became so powerful that they also will stay. But the illusion just to collect money for the utility, which is not related to return, is gone. And so actually, I was considering also an ICO, but I came to the conclusion, no, it has to be related to the shares. It has to be related to the return of the company. And so I was waiting. And now with the Daura platform and with the new law in Switzerland, it mm -hmm. only came into effect this year. Right, yeah. And the Daura platform has been working on this solution to be ready when the, when the law comes into effect. And so we are in the happy situation that we have, have now the new law, which is allowing public fundraising up to 8 million Swiss francs per year without the prospectus. And in combination with the token law, which came out, we have now the ability to tokenize our shares and to make an ICO, but not with utility tokens, but to make with real shares where the company, where the, where the investor receives a real return on the, on the profit. And it has the same risk ratio as any other startup, but he can, he can immediately invest and he can also sell the, 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 the shares immediately. Yep. But there is no marketplace yet. So that means when somebody is buying it, there is no liquidity. Mm -hmm. That means he needs to find the buyer, but he's free to transfer the token, the share token anytime. And that is a game change, right? Because usually those assets are not very liquid. So then you are locked into a certain degree or have huge restrictions on it. Yeah, but this is the same problem as we have in general with startups. So the yeah. liquidity is actually the biggest problem of a startup. Exactly. But here, in addition, we gain the perspective that people can invest the money they can afford to lose. Of course, yeah. But in return, they receive the perspective to gain if the, if the whole thing becomes successful. Nice move. And what do you actually plan to do with the funds that you're raising now? Do you have, I know you have big plans, big visions, but what are the specific actions? What will the money be used for? Um, first of all is to, to help onboarding more companies, mm -hmm. um, to help them with the campaigns, because we do not want to acquire the users. We want our community owners to yeah. take a platform from us to operate the platform and we want to help them to become very, very uh, successful mm -hmm. in, in, in converting uh, their existing audience from other platforms to their own platform, to their own branded platform. And so um, we would like to have some, some flexibility to support them in doing that. For example, with financial incentives for the user and whatever. Uh, this is one aspect. Then also to increase the engineering team, mm -hmm. so we can speed up the the, the delivery of of product development. Um, then also to go stronger into the blockchain domain, uh, because currently we cover only one aspect of blockchain. This is the wallet, which is not provided by us, by, but by a third party. Mm -hmm. So we want to put the digital identity onto the blockchain as well as the. The, the, the revenue share process. This is still in work to be done. I see you will not get bored over the next month. Oh, no. <laughs> I have one last final question before we head over to the rapid fire questions. If you think five, 10, or even 15 years forward, why will uh, Diseo make it and Facebook become less relevant? That's a difficult question because we don't know exactly how it goes, but I'm a strong believer in decentralization and democratic values. And this is our big differentiator between the big ones. And so we believe that we have the true potential to establish us as alternative power into the current landscape, but we have no idea to what extent um, with which, perc which percentage of the market that we will cover. But what is the most striking is the following. We currently have about $3.9 trillion of mobile commerce. So actually what we do of our system is um, the 
the, the big companies in social media, they, they currently focus on promotion. That means they have most of their revenues are coming from, ad, from selling advertising. They are now going towards commerce. And they continue to do that. But for us, actually, commerce is even more important than promotion. Uh, because that we can enable social selling. Now, the, the size of the opportunity of, of um, um, commerce is that mobile commerce is about 3.9 trillion US dollars and is going to go about 8.5 trillion dollars in about 10 years. And we want to take a big stake on that. That's 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 our vision. So, uh, but the market is huge. So, uh, the potential is definitely here. Absolutely. So, to wrap up this episode, we have some rapid fire questions for you. So, I give you either a short question or a choice, and you have to answer in one sentence. Are you ready? Ready. Investor or founder? Founder. What makes you smile? When visions become true. Oh, I like that. Forgiveness or permission? Permission. Wealth or happiness? Happiness. And where do you actually go to think? Mountains. That's cool. Which mountains? Swiss mountains. <laughs> nice. Urs, thank you so much for stopping by. All the best with the ongoing capital increase and also to make that vision a reality. And uh, yeah, lots of success and best of luck. Thank you very much for this extremely pleasant uh, interview and uh, very much enjoyed it and looking forward uh, to keep in touch and to, to engage. And uh, also I'm looking forward to engage with anybody who hears this message and who wants to uh, get control on his or her audience and to, to, have, to have, her, have us uh, um, building this whole ecosystem.